Hello, and welcome back to Queer Alien Blast. A quick note before we begin. After recording the Maleks episode, we realized we had quite a bit to say about our boys, so we decided to split the episode into two parts. The first part you're about to hear covers some general themes and tropes as they relate to Maleks, discussion of their relationship in season one, as well as a discussion of some of the cast and crew's comments about the relationship. In the second part, we'll dig a little deeper, and we'll also discuss our hopes for season two and fandom's relationship and reaction to Maleks. As always, we'd love to hear your reactions to the episode, so please reach out to us at Query Lane Blast on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and Facebook. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Queer Alien Blast. And today we are talking about, drumroll please, Maleks. Woo! Finally. What you asked for. Yes. What everybody has been waiting for. Um, before we get started, though, I think we can't not talk about the fact that Vlamis listened to our Garen episode and sent us detailed notes because he's like that. And we super appreciate it. So, Vlamis, if you're listening again. Thank you, Vlamis. Thank you. We love you. you. (laughs) So, now, today, we're going to talk about Malik's, which is the thing everyone's been waiting for. And the thing that we've been really excited to talk about. And the thing we have absolutely no opinions about whatsoever. None. I'm sorry. That's the episode, guys. Um, That's the episode. It's it. That was it. Yeah. Thanks, Flamus, and then, you know, <laughs> out. So, Maleks is obviously the creation of Karina. Um, this was new to to the reboot. And she has a lot of opinions about it and whether you follow what she says or not. And one of the big things that she talked about is kind of Maleks starting in darkness and bringing it into the light as things go on. So I wanted to take a story that begins in darkness and strives toward light. But yeah, these guys are working towards something better for themselves and they're working towards something better than this old town that has just an ugly history of intolerance and, and abuse. And I think that, you know, stepping into the light is a story that we're telling for those two characters, whether they do it together or separately, you know, their journey is very intertwined. I mean, I think you could definitely say that for the most part, season one was pretty dark for Maleks. I mean, they're not in a good place for most of the season. And then you get that one kind of brief respite. They don't speak for they don't speak for most of the season. <laughs> I mean, that says something about the power of fandom, though, that they don't speak for most of the season. And they're still the core of, of what the Roswell fandom is. Right. Yeah. Um, I love that she said that in that I, I think it was a Q&A or something. Um, I love that definition of a darkness to light. And I hope she was talking about the whole series because otherwise we're not tracking here. But, um, but I love the concept. So I would love to see a little more light <laughs> show up in the second season. Um, but, um, well, and a lot of people sort of 
panicked about the, the darkness to light. You're like, this season, there was no light. And it's like, well, there was no light for anyone. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it was a pretty dark season all around. And so I think, you know what I think, and we're, I know we're going to talk about fandom, so I don't want to delve into that. But in, in terms of this, the reaction to, because I saw a lot of reaction to specifically that darkness to light or whatever, is that no one knows how to wait anymore. And I don't know yeah. if it's because we're used to whole seasons dropping on Netflix. Right. I don't know if we're, I don't know what it is. Um, if we've lost the ability to wait to see where a show goes. I have no idea. Um, that's completely new to me. And so everyone's sort of panicking. I'm like, we, we're probably seasons away from whatever light she was talking about. Yeah, I feel like even if we don't get like an end game in season two, like who cares? I mean, I feel that light for them could be just not being tragic relationship of the show you know because they like the tragic relationship of the show and life for them could be people knowing and i don't know them being comfortable with it you know them getting to a level where they don't have to suffer because of this relationship that what i see it as i don't care if it's end game or not you know like even if it just stays in their past like the fact that they they get comfortable with it I see that as light because right now, like, during season one, most of that was like, yeah. we're hiding and nobody knows and all of that. So mm-hmm. let's hope that that changes with season two already, even right. they're, if they're not together, you know. Right. Let's just destroy the word in game. How about we just don't use it anymore and stop? I, I don't because I don't even know what that means. Like, right? first of all, in fandom in fandom, your ship is always in game. Right, exactly. However you create it. I mean, they could be, I mean, duh. <laughs> you create whatever mm-hmm. reality you want. Canon, okay. We're not even at the end of canon. Now, if this ends, then we can discuss this sort of darkness to light. Did we see it? Did it ever happen? You know, if it ended after season two, then we yeah. can discuss it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or about being in game or whatever. Mm-hmm. But until the show ends, there's, no, I mean, what is in game? That doesn't even mean anything. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and I mean, people seem to forget that we're only at the very beginning. I mean, this was just the first season. Yeah, exactly. We're not, you know, six or seven seasons in, and Michael's been with Maria this whole time, and Alex has had some other love interest, and, you know, they never bring up Alex again. That's not where we're at. Right, exactly. And that's not what the spoiler said. And I don't think that would happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, something that we wanted to talk about um, was some comments that Flamis has made in interviews. Uh, we've established before, you know, that he's kind of new to this whole, I guess, notoriety thing and interviewing. And he said some things in the past that some people have taken offense to as far as Malix and calling them toxic or, you know, Alex was a dick and blah, blah, blah. So what do you guys think about that? Well, I mean, I do like in his, I do like in the notes that he gave us from watching the last one that he mentioned that he just sort of says that's who he is and he says what he says. Um, yeah. Is that going to eventually bite him in the butt? Maybe, maybe it already has, you know, especially when you're talking. Cause I mean, he really, you know, we're talking again, like we mentioned in last, last episode, you know, a straight man playing a queer character, you know, there are right. things that you have to stay sensitive to, um, which, I don't think he's insensitive. I think he just says exactly what I think, but he just puts no 
sort of shine to it. <laughs> he just sort of says it. Like, I'm going to get eaten alive by fandom when I say that I ought to believe that there are times that Alex and Michael are toxic. Would I have ever phrased it that way? Probably not. Mm, yeah. But I don't think he's wrong. And I don't think he's wrong about Alex being a dick. And I, I mean, Garen is a dick. <laughs> they're dicks to each other. That's why they're perfect. Right. Made, right. made in dick heaven. <laughs> okay, well, I didn't like that. Sorry. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> I agree. I completely agree. And like every time he says something like that, I'm right. I'm like, I agree with the idea behind it, behind it, but maybe not the wording. Cause like, right, toxic. I see. I do see Malik in season one. Um, like their adult relationship is unhealthy. Right. That's what's true. That's a fact. Cause like, two people that are in what you could call a relationship, even if they don't talk about it um, for like a decade, and they don't talk, they just sleep together, and that's it. Maybe there's something wrong there. Like, that's not a healthy relationship, and that's it. And I think that the characters realize that. And so it's not like out of this world say it's an unhealthy relationship, but toxic. Maybe like, especially in fandom, it's associated with stronger ideas so like abuse and you know stuff like that so it's, it's definitely a strong right. word and i think i i think blamus was probably equating right was equating yeah, toxic yeah, yeah, yeah. with being unhealthy and while right. being toxic obviously is unhealthy that that's not quite yeah the to the degree that maybe he meant um because there's also in a toxic relationship a um, an underlying using the word toxic. Un, there's an underlying idea that it's also abusive, which isn't, I don't think accurate. And I certainly don't think that's what Flamis was intending at all. Um, um, but so I definitely think unhealthy was the word that he was looking for or the, the idea that he was looking for. That makes sense. Then he's not wrong. And also you're right, Amanda, they are both dicks to each other. So like they are, I mean, of course he coming from, the point of view of Michael, because that's the character that he plays and that's the character he speaks for. Of course, he's going to say Alex was a dick. Like, you know, I, I, I see the reasoning there. Right. Um, he's going to speak for his character, you know, and Tyler is going to speak for Alex. You know, that's that's what they're supposed to do. I mean, they're not, you know, they're, they're not meant to give us deep yeah. insight into all the characters when those aren't their characters. It's the ones you play and the ones that you play against. I mean, obviously, those are where his opinions are gonna lie well and we can get into this when we talk about you know fandom's relationship with malik's but right. on the whole not just malik's but and not just this fandom but other fandoms i think fandoms tend to be overly sensitive to the things that the cast and crew say because blamus blamus and he only speaks really for himself he's not speaking for the show most of the time of course and right i think they take what he and other casting crew members say way too literally and way too seriously yeah well and also you know i think it's because within fandom especially the ships are like babies that can be blown apart by canon at any moment i mean not i mean actually yeah look at the magicians not that i think that that's what would happen but you just sort of always there's this fragility that you always have to be aware of mm -hmm. and so when you read interviews or you listen to podcasts or whatever it may be mm -hmm. you are sort of 
I don't know, you're always aware of that. And you're, so that makes a lot of people mm-hmm. super sensitive. I typically look at it as, granted, I'm not an actor. I was in one play and it was horrific. But I, <laughs> um, that's why I always give interviews and podcasts and all those a big swerve. Because they're on, they're in the spotlight. You're in the moment. You are, all the attention is on you. Um, you are going to misspeak or you're going to maybe speak about things that maybe you shouldn't. Or yeah. I think that that's inevitable when it comes to talking about this. Because because we've only had one season. How much is there to talk about, you know, when, when you go and do these, like, these press tours or whatever. So I just don't. I don't know. I don't, I don't put, I, I personally just don't put much stock into it. Cause there's just no point. It's a lot of filler. It's hype. They're hype. They're hype yep. men. That's all it is. They're not going out to do this for fun. They're doing this mm-hmm. to hype, to get viewers for season two. And that, that that's, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that, but you have to remember that too. Mm-hmm. All right. We've kind of already talked about Vlamis here, but I wanted to talk for a minute about, cause I think they approach it very differently. And I think that, Tyler approaches Malik's and fandom very differently because of his experience with Pretty Little Liars. Um, yeah. But both of them, they both are very supportive of Malik's. You know, you see all the, the Vlam burn stuff. and Oh, Lord. You know, they're not afraid to kind of play into it. <laughs> I have to say, and not that this is necessarily related. I mean, it really is. But I do want to take a second to say... I don't know how Vlamis and Tyler are so patient with fandom in general when it comes to the Vlamburn yeah. stuff. I don't want to get weird in this mm-hmm. podcast, but I do know that weird things mm-hmm. are said on Twitter and Instagram that would make me uncomfortable. And they just mm-hmm. really do a good job of of sort of swerving it or leaning into it. it. Right. And just sort of accepting it yeah. for what it mm-hmm. is. So that's like, mm-hmm. a, you know, a... a, a big part of the reason i love them both i mean it's good that i kind of yeah especially because it's a canon relationship so like there's no it's not saying like you see the chemistry between between two actors and you're like they're you know baiting us or whatever because like that's a canon relationship that they're playing with so it's definitely something that they saw um the fandom reacted to and they just play with it and but i think they handle it very well and i also think that we should give kudos to how ariel and chandler handle oh my god yes the, the fandom <laughs> stuff. they deserve a fandom award i'm gonna Literally. make them one because bless you both bless you both <laughs> <laughs> yeah and can i just say to fandom can you just chill <laughs> because you're they're real people Mm-hmm. They're, they're real people. Those are real relationships that they have. So, like, for the two or th- three times that I saw this happening, like, from people commenting about it, stop sending them creepy messages, please. And that's it. And that's it. But I love how they handle it. So, yeah. So next we have kind of a comparison here and this I think this kind of plays into darkness versus light. High school Maliks versus adult Maliks, which I feel like are two almost completely separate relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think this was part of one of the questions that we got on Tumblr. Um, Habibi Nazir. Oh, uh, yeah. Leslie was like teen Maliks's connection versus adult Maliks's miscommunication. 
So, um, I don't know. I love how soft Ice Cold Malik, Malik is. Um, and we got, like, we got one episode of them. And I can't wait to see more of them, even though what we'll see is, like, from what Karina said after the chat scene. So that's already changing. But um, I love how clear it is, like, the difference between the two times in their lives we see them because you see them very soft and very unguarded uh, with each other in high school and the the present timeline um is very well they're bad at communication which we'll talk about um and they're also like they're very resentful in a way that i don't think they've explained um why in season one yet because alex walked away okay we got it but, like, I don't think that's it, you know, because... To still be bitter about that. Um, right. Ten years. So, when we were watching, you know, when I... The last rewatch I did, the first thing I really thought of was, I still don't understand why everyone's so angry. Right, I mean, obviously, yeah. the mm-hmm. stuff with Jesse happened. I get that. And, you know, I that's not in question. But also, you know, so it's... Just, I never really understood where all of the anger came from, Um because they played it like they hadn't seen each other since then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When they first saw, you know what I mean? Like that's sort of the, the feeling that you get that maybe there's 10 years of, I miss you. Right. You weren't here. This sort of self journey and you work yourself up and you're angry. But yet was it Karina or someone who said that, Oh no, they've, they've, they've seen each other in that 10 years. Well, mm-hmm. it's, then, then it wasn't played that way at all. I don't think, or then, it, then it, that bitterness doesn't really make as much sense. So I just need to know why they're so angry. Yeah, I think, I mean, I could have understood if it were only in the pilot. Right. Because, like, you know, the pilot always has something that doesn't add up with the rest of his season. Right, because they change um, it. Yeah. But um, then the rest, like, even episode two, episode three, they still have this, you know, resentment and anger that doesn't really make sense if we're supposed to think that it's all about Alex joining the military when, you know, after the summer or whatever. Because uh, it's been cleared up that that was Jesse's fault. Um, and we saw how the shed happened. So that doesn't really make sense for me, uh, especially how Michael um, says that thing about, you know, walking away and how they play that scene at the drive-in. Right. That doesn't really make sense if it, it was once, you know. It had to be more than once. Right. So, right. So we need, we definitely, I, we need more details or more yeah. insight to, and I don't, I feel like now I wonder if it's gotten so far in that we're just never really going to get more info on that, which is fine. I mean, we can live with what we've got, but to make that sort of connection make sense. I feel that we will. I mean, even if it's just, yeah. you know, even if it's just the summer, um, if they mm-hmm. left each other very badly, then that will make a little more sense than what we saw. Well, we don't necessarily need to see it. It if as long as they maybe, God, if they let Malik's actually talk, you know, and they talk about, we don't necessarily need to have a flashback scene. Karina, talking is sexy. Talking is dramatic too. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> communication is hot. Anyway, um, one thing I do want to say about the teen Malik stuff is. Um, this is one of the only times I think recently that I've watched. Um, I don't watch a lot of like teen shows. Um, for me personally, I feel weird. You know, I'm 32, almost 33 and it feels weird. Um, and it also, I feel very divorced from that time in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say watching that teen 
scene was brought back so many good memories uh you know the the happy part of that scene so many good memories of falling in love for the first time and being 17 and those sort of butterflies that you don't really you never get to recreate that again in your life Mm -hmm. that's part of the reason I, i watched that scene a lot is they did a really good job of taking me back to um you know, being 17 again. And that's mm-hmm. in that. And I, to me, that is all Vlamis and Tyler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just the way the softness with which they played it, the way they touched one another. Um, it felt very, you know, just innocent. Um, and it was, it was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, you know, that's that. I really value that part of it. Even if later on it's ruined by Jesse, that mm-hmm. part, it's really beautiful. Have you ever done this before? Oh, boy. Yeah. But not like with, uh, <laughs> With the guy. With the guy. Yeah. And not with someone that I've liked. As much as I like you. I feel like I I don't really rewatch that scene outside of like giving it and stuff. um, Because I get so much secondhand embarrassment from it. What? Why? That's what you're supposed to get. Because like... They're, they're kind of awkward with each other, you know, like, you know, have you done this before? And Oh, I don't think I've ever, I usually get secondhand embarrassment. I don't think I've ever gotten it from that scene. That's so funny. I never really thought about it. I don't know. And, but I think that, I mean, that's how it's supposed to be. So, um. I think, you know, it's funny that somebody just, I just got in a, a in a non about this on Tumblr or whatever. And we just had this discussion but I think for me, what makes me want to rewatch it is that moment where, you know, Michael sort of has, he just says, wait, and Alex immediately takes his hands off. Oh my God, I love that moment. And I think for me, it's such one of my favorite small, tiny little Malix moments because consent means a lot to me. And, mm-hmm. you know, showing a queer relationship with consent and with intention, um, yeah. it's that's part of the reason I really value it because it, it it's it continues that it feels so innocent and so it's like a warm bubble you know like a warm blanket like a little bubble to get in when I rewatch that little scene and yeah and it's to me it's always a little awkward it's an intimate scene it's always weird to watch an intimate scene um yeah yeah, right, yeah. Which, so I get that mm-hmm. right I think that's the point um there have been so many people who said that um that watching so many of their scenes is kind of kind of feel like you don't you, you're not supposed to be watching them there because right, they're it's so, so intimate. intimate. So right. like every single time I'm, I, I ever watch those, you know, soft moments like the high school right. and uh, mm-hmm. 103 and right. all of the those scenes, I'm like my face buried in my hands. And I'm right. like, oh my God, this is happening. And it, like... Because, well, and it's also personal personal time for me. I hate watching kissing on TV and in movies. I hate mm-hmm. it. It makes me so uncomfortable. It's so strange. Um, so I do get that sort of feeling of it's just like, oh, and, but that's yeah, yeah. The, it's every it's with everyone with me. It's like any intimate scene. I'm like emotions. Ugh. I don't. This is uncomfortable. You know, <laughs> I'm not sure. So I do definitely get that because they do play it, especially if you contrast Teen Malik's with episode three in bed. You're awake. You stayed. It was late. It's tired. That's why you stayed. Um, That one is so hard for me to watch because it does feel like I'm a weird voyeur. 
Yeah. Because it's so intimate. Like, the way that the camera tracks mm-hmm. Alex's hand going down Michael's stomach, mm-hmm. I it makes it's not uncomfortable in the sense of what it is, but it feels so intimate. It feels like, this is not something I'm supposed to be watching. Am I old enough to watch this? I'm not sure. <laughs> it feels really strange. But also, that scene in episode three is what has convinced me that... That wasn't the the shed or, you know, whatever that summer wasn't the last time they saw each other because they are extremely comfortable right. with each other. No, of course yeah. not. You know? So, like, the, this idea that they have right. that they haven't seen each other in 10 years is just bullshit to me because they are way too comfortable. No, and also one week of sleeping together when you're 17 when no one's good at it. Sorry. I mean, but I'm saying, like, realistically, not only were they 17... Um, but there's no way that just that would keep them hanging on for 10 years. And then no, absolutely not. No, no dick is that good. No, it's, it wouldn't make any sense. Can we name this episode made in dick heaven? (laughs) 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 The whole episode's just talking about dicks. Just dicks. Sorry. (laughs) Okay. Um, Mick, I'm going to kind of let you take over for a second here because I feel like this is in your wheelhouse of physical contact and intricate rituals with Malik's. Oh my god. I love intricate rituals, guys. Okay, so I see them mostly in the first episode, so we kind of don't already know what is going on, you know? And side note, I love that we know that that's, you know, a canon relationship from the start. Like, you know in the pilot that's that's what happened. But anyway, I like that Despite the fact that they're supposed to be this secret relationship that somehow everybody knows about, but um, they still kind of find ways, even when they're in public, to always be kind of in each other's sphere and always, maybe not touching each other, but they're always close. Like like that scene um, at the reunion. It's not P2P they're detecting. Similar. You should find yourself some better engineers. You're wasting your life, Garen. You trying to hold my hand private? Does the macho cowboy swagger thing ever get old with you? Did it get old for you? When Alex is kind of like trying to be intimidating and he's like steps so close and you're like, mmm, <laughs> right. there's something going on here. Exactly. And also like in at the drive-in when they're kind of like in the date... And they're they're sitting they're not sitting very close but like they're they're in knees like you know I love that single second that you see them when right. Isabel is talking on stage and mm-hmm. you see that their knees are very close together like their their legs oh, are yeah. very far apart yeah. because they they want to touch knees and you're like oh my god that's the queer right. mood like that's such a Victorian thing like oh my god their knees are touching oh my god <laughs> yeah but like that's the thing you know um, a lot of the time with with queer people like I remember. Um, whereas mm-hmm. still in the closet with my first girlfriend and we kind of like we were walking around and my parents were around so I we couldn't really be together so we were like we're not really holding hands but we're kind of holding hands yep been there <laughs> yep yeah so the like I, I I get it and that's how it is and well and they do and I, one one thing I like that they do in lieu of physical contact is the, I know that we've talked this to death too, but the way that they look at one another is mm-hmm. just as physical as actually mm-hmm. touching one another. Yeah. Um, they have this sort of physical look with one another that they do no matter where they are. 
my favorite thing is they're like, you know, wanting to keep it secret or, you know, at least that's part of it. And then yet they look at each other like that in episode two. They're not um, subtle. You're not subtle. And, and your, your, your eye contact is actually more intimate than anything else I've seen. And mm-hmm. you get some, you mm-hmm. know, that's a lot. Um, and I think that that's part of still being around one another without being able or feeling able to be physical in public. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yet they are a lot like they're, they touch a lot. Right. Actually. Um, oh, of course. Absolutely. I mean, of course, a lot of it is when it's just the two of them, but um, still for the audience to see that, um, I think that with every, you know, queer couple, same sex couple, it's always good to see that as, you know, a queer person, um, like episode three, that's, you know, we've, we've talked about it. It's just beautiful. And I think that it's very good that they, how they played it, that when they're kind of, on opposite sides of like fighting however you want to call it um they're very physically distant from each other you know um where when they don't know how they where they stand with each other they're physically distant from one another and then when they kind of have uh, a definition of their relationship they're always close together so i love how they play it and i love how how vlamis and 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 tyler play it you know it's 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 good right there's a sense of the way that they, um, cause they, I absolutely believe that they each have a voice that they only mm-hmm. use with the other. It's a lot softer. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more hesitant. It's not as sure. It's not as, you know, Michael is such a, um, you know, just a full on swagger asshole. But with Alex, I think, you know, he has a much softer tone in the way he sort of approaches mm-hmm. it when they have these conversations um, he's much more, you know, leans in. I'm thinking of that, you know, he was leaning in to say... Sex was epic. such a mm-hmm. hilarious line to me, and I love it. Um, <laughs> but he does get, you know, he sort of rounds out the edges when he's with mm-hmm. Alex in a way that... And I think that scares him, and I think that's why he turns into a little bit of an asshole. But yeah. um, they do it with each other. I mean, Alex has a Michael voice, just just yeah. the same the way Michael does, and I love that. You do run hot, Gary. So let's talk um, for a minute about Malik's early in season one, because I feel like Malik's in the first part of season one compared to Malik's at the end of season one are in a very different place. Mm -hmm. And early season one, Malik's is, you know, what made all of us fall in love with him in the first place. So there has to be some redeeming qualities there. I, you know, I, I, I like the early season one stuff is so I only watched this show. My friend Jenny, um, who's in a different fandom with me, um, and her and a couple other people had been sort of blogging about Roswell. And I was like, stupid reboot. That's dumb. I don't want to watch that. I, you know, I watched the first <laughs> one. That's, it's not 1999 anymore. I'm not going to do it. And then I saw some gifts. I saw something. And then when I watched it for the first time, the scene that got me, I mean, obviously it's the, it was the, um, the pilot kiss, right? Obviously, that's a big one. You know, all that tension or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that their very first scene, everything they said, if you don't even have the sound on and you just watch that very first scene where sort of Michael, you know, turns Alex around and realizes it's him, it's that tension that they don't even need words for. They don't really talk a whole lot anyway. Mm-hmm. Hey! Hey, that's private property! Alex, back from Baghdad. 
father must be proud. Yes, sir. Finally, a real mains man. Three quarters of one. What are you doing in this trailer? Sure as hell doesn't look legal. Little weed, lot of casual sex. Oh, and covert plans to violently overthrow the government. Quick, Alex. Run and tell your daddy. But that's what I. That's what drew me in, and I think that that's the first three episodes, especially the first two, especially um, that tension is almost. I mean, you could absolutely cut it with a knife. I mean, it's so thick in the air, and I, that's what that's what reeled me in because it wasn't just a, oh, they clearly have a history here. It's their history makes it so I can't breathe. Like it's so thick in the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think a recurring theme with this podcast when it comes to the show is, you know, they're not subtle. Mm -hmm. The show is not subtle ever at any moment. And that first scene at the Airstream, I knew nothing about the show when I started watching except that Nathan Parsons was in it. And when he wheels him around, you look at him, I was like, oh, oh, they're gay. Mm -hmm. That's gay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, that's gay. It's kind of funny because, like, I I remember Vlamis saying this. That he was like, how did people not get it, you know? And I was like, I mean, Duh. yeah. Like, if he gets it, you know. Uh, yeah. I mean, first of all, I was pretty sure the first scene where I saw him in the jail cell that Michael was not straight. <laughs> Too dramatic. Too dramatic. Right. And then all it took was just that one one scene. I was like, well, this, yep, gay. Mm-hmm. That's just, that, that just may be queerness recognizing queerness you know like we're yeah. more sensitive to it so you're like oh yeah sort of like a beaker yep. you're one of us <laughs> yeah it's the way he sits <laughs> the way he sits it's the finger gun cowboy aesthetic yep um but i think when we're so we we're talking about early season one versus sort of later in season one i mean i think the tension is still there but the later in season one are all these like starts and stops mm-hmm. right so it's these Mm-hmm. wanting to have a conversation beginning of them sort of tentatively reaching out to have this conversation. And then of course it always gets, you know, mm-hmm. stopped or they stop themselves or something happens, mm-hmm. you know, to continue the drama, but there's much more of an open sense of we've done the sex thing. We could easily do that again, but that's not really going to help anyone. Let's actually try to talk for five seconds. Um, but I think that, I, and I actually don't know which version of Malik's I really, that's why it works so well together in season one, because not that we got to see a whole lot of it, because there was like five episodes where they didn't talk, Karina, but there, you did get to see that sort of development from so tense and uncomfortable that it's hard to watch to, at the very least, these really open and earnest conversations or the beginning of them or opening up about their pasts and things. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting how not really the first part of a season, just the first three episodes, they are together like almost all of the time. Mm-hmm. And then except for like episode six, um, they're barely ever together. Um, Never. You know, and yet um, the relationship, we, we learn a lot about re- the relationship even when they're not on screen together, which I think is really interesting that even if you don't see them together on screen, you still get Malik's content, you know, um, which is really interesting because they're mm-hmm. somehow they're always talking and thinking about the other. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 
in past episodes, we've talked about Alex and his relationship with trauma and Michael and his relationship with trauma. Mm -hmm. So I think we need to take a minute and talk about both of them together and their relationship and how it relates to the trauma that they've experienced together and separately, but but they've had some together as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, You know, obviously the biggest one is, you know, we have to talk about Jesse when they were a teenager. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, and we've, we've touched on it. We talked a little bit about last episode and we could probably have an entire episode just on that because it's just so much. But what I value about Malik's is they had every reason to never speak again and to just sort of let it die in the past. Right. So they had this, you know, this is presumably or it is was Michael's first, um, you know, sexual exploration with a man. Um, we don't know sort of Alex's history, but presumably Mm -hmm. hasn't had that many like romantic or sexual partners at that point. And then to have that traumatic event happen, Mm -hmm. I would probably, you know, run for for the hills forever, you know, Mm -hmm. um, but the fact that they still are drawn to one another after all that time and that that doesn't, and that not the person in that relationship, like I would think it would be Michael who would be like, I don't want to have anything to do with you. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't let go of that. But it's actually Alex who's too afraid, you know, mm-hmm. rightfully so, to really let Michael in. And so I think that that's really interesting. But is also heartbreaking because what a traumatic beginning of something. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to sort of work past that and find a different way. So that's why I don't want, I, I'm looking forward to how they begin again the next time. I want it to be a much healthier foundation versus... You know, I don't, you don't want to have to talk about how you, how you knew one another is this big traumatic event. You want it to start at a much healthier place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is what I'm hoping we'll get. I mean, yeah, um, their, their whole relationship is rooted in trauma. And I think that uh, that's how it's always going to be. Like, they can't really take back that moment in the chat and that happened and they can't mm-hmm. erase it. But um, I'm hopeful that they find a way to talk pass it or like work through it in some way which is you know i think what alex was trying to do towards the end of the season um Mm -hmm. unfortunately michael is so you know lost in his trauma by the end of the season that he can't Mm -hmm. really see past it so that's that's the problem you know yeah and i think i would be really upset with season one in terms of oh look the queer characters have the most traumatic lives Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's great Mm -hmm. we've never seen that before if everyone else didn't also have equally or or some sort of trauma in their lives. And I think, because a lot of people that I've seen in discussion about Malik's that they do sort of bring that up. Like why, you know, the the queer people always get the most tragedy or, or, Mm -hmm. you know, all of that. And it's, while it's true, I mean, every other character has equal amounts of trauma in their lives that has affected them. And maybe not to the extent of, you know, what they went through with Jesse, but still things that they would consider traumatic. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that I I want everyone to have sad lives or no one to have sad lives, not yeah, just I the mean, gay people, right? I think that with Malik's, it's kind of that their traumatic lives are kind of interwoven with each other, you know, like mm-hmm. their relationship in itself is traumatic. So that's kind of how it's different. Like it's not really that traumatic things have happened to them, though they have. Um, but it's also the relationship itself, you know, that has trauma within it. So that's kind of, I mean, because if you see like Max and Liz, for example, without considering a Max dies at the end of the season, but um, high school Max and Liz, um, they don't really have that 
not because of their relationship at mm-hmm. least like they have their own trauma but it's not because of, of their relationship with well with malik's it is um so right. th- that i kind of get but um but yeah i mean it's a drama everybody everybody's fucking sad like literally right. everyone it's like go to therapy like literally <sighs> right <laughs> there's Roswell, new mexico there's schitt's creek <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's the yeah, new yeah. level of everyone's sad or everyone's happy and this is a spectrum and right now you know we're on the sort of traumatic end of it and i'm not saying that i wouldn't want them to get a little bit more shit creaky but um you know (laughs) please we're screwed we're watching the cw no (laughs) i mean five minutes it'll happen for five minutes we can do that Oh, actually, you know what? This is kind of a perfect time to bring to bring up one of the questions that Shauna asked, because I actually think it's a little bit related. Um, she sent me a question that I thought was really interesting. She wanted to know why really the fact that Michael is an alien never seems to be a stumbling block. Um, mm-hmm. That it was just sort of like a, yeah, mm-hmm. I know you are, and it's cool, and it never seems to be an issue. And she was sort of wondering, like, is it because of this, you know, traumatic past and they already know each other in such a intimate way that this just really doesn't matter like i think that because once you've been through all of these events with one another i think at that point um finding out one of them's an alien i guess just doesn't really register i don't know i think that's really interesting i think that's part of it but i also think that you know alex had a bit of time to kind of process this knowledge behind the scenes yeah and also i think it's in a way it's just another sense of otherness to michael like right like for alex and michael they're already other they're already different and so it's like oh well you know of course you're an alien too <laughs> right. so yeah and i mean i think there's also the part that he learns about it through jesse right so like that's the opposition you know you're like mm-hmm. and he learns about the whole conspiracy before he talks to michael so right. uh he has those two you know polar opposites that he always has you know, it's Michael and it's his dad. Well, and, you know, it's like, okay, you sit here and, like, you know that your father hates Michael. Like, Jesse hates you because you're you're an alien. So that probably makes you okay. Like, you're probably pretty cool if Jesse hates you. Right. Well, I mean, and I live and die by, you know, the Malik's and Echo parallels, which I know we're going to talk about. Um, but the fact that both you know, Michael and Max, you know, revealed themselves to be aliens or, or they was found out in some way. And both Liz and Alex were just sort of like, okay, <laughs> like just sort of, ex- you know, like I, and it, it really does come down basically to, you know, I, I love you anyway. It doesn't, yeah. you know, this doesn't mm-hmm. change anything really. And I think that that's an interesting way to look at it. I mean, it's, you know, not to get too cheesy with it, but it really does sort of like love transcends all, but yeah. it's, it, mm-hmm. that part really isn't important mm-hmm. it's who they are right now that's important why were max and isabel adopted separately i just told you i survived a ufo crash i gestated in a pod for half a century and i hatched and you want to know about my family problems look i've known about alien stuff for months i want to know about you mm-hmm. i mean but can we talk about the fact that Jenna is the only one who has that reaction of being like... Or the part where I ask if I should be worried about some freaky interplanetary STDs. (laughs) God, I love her. Because, like, do you remember that scene with Mimi and Alex? (laughs) We aren't meant to touch things from another world. Alex. Then he's like, um... Alex Mays, known alien fucker for 10 years, is not worried about that. (laughs) We're good. Thanks. Been there. Um, okay, let's move on. Um, 
we kind of already talked about like their inability to communicate. Do we? Do you feel like we need to to touch on that again? Because I have Malik's and communication here next. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know. Okay. Somebody brought up at some point on Tumblr about how they flip flopped. Um, that Michael was much more open in the beginning of the season, and Alex was very closed off, and then they sort of switch flip flop towards the end. And I think that that's, it's so fascinating to watch their communication because that's very true. I mean, mm-hmm. even their conversations was very much, you know, later, because uh, episode 10 remains one of my favorite in terms of, you know, Alex asking about Michael and actually having a conversation. I wish it had gone further, but at least they had a conversation. And it's nice to see Alex opening up in a way that he wasn't in previous episodes and willing to sit and relax and actually look at Michael and and talk. Mm -hmm. And I think that's Mm -hmm. now granted, obviously, you know, the way that season one ended, it'd be nice if they were on the same page at some point Mm -hmm. to actually be open with one another at the same exact time. But I, but now we can see that they're both willing and able to make that extra leap at some point. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's still there. I could have watched an entire episode of just that scene in front of the airstream with them actually mm-hmm. talking about stuff. It's my favorite. I mean, yeah, my favorite. I could watch. I could literally watch it every day and not get tired of it because you've noticed something else every single time. It's perfect. See, talking is sexy. Talking is sexy. Communication is sexy. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, um, I think that it's very interesting that um, from the beginning they seem very good at getting like at non-verbal communication with each other, like, they get each other. But at the same time, like, at the beginning of the season, they're, like, bad at worse. Mm -hmm. And then you see, like, I think there is is where you see uh, the outside influence a bit, you know, like, with Kyle and stuff, they just kind of, like, talk to each other. If you care about him as much as it looks like you do, then talk to him. I just, I can't go in blind. I'm talking about a conversation, Mains. Not a war. Right. Um, and granted, they sh- they have shitty timing, but, um, you know. No, I think it's interesting that it's Alex that um, tries to, you know, change things. Um, because Michael is like, this is not working. Okay, we're done. Good. Okay, I'm not going to talk about it again. And it's like... What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean, Michael... We're not going to talk about this again. What do you mean? Explain that. Kind of, you know, at the beginning of episode nine, where it tries to talk about it, you know, get closure or something. And, and Alex is like, nope, we're done. Bye. And walks away again. And, and then Michael is like, okay, so we're not going to talk about it. And mm-hmm. then it's Alex that kind of has to, you know, be like, okay, I, I, I realize that this is the problem that we have. So how do I go about fixing it? Now, granted, I think they have, they still miscommunicate even when they are talking, but that's a problem, you know, that they're going to have to work through. Right. Um, I think one thing that um, always, and this is more fandom than it is what you see in the show, was um, this argument that Alex is always the one that's putting himself out there and, and really trying to be vulnerable with Michael. And I don't think that that's, I definitely don't think that that's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, an entire gift set. Cause I was angry at that. Um, but it's, they do it at different times. Yeah, exactly. Right? That's the whole point of Malik's in season one is that Alex puts himself out there for Michael 
But Michael also puts himself out there for Alex a lot of the time mm-hmm. as well. They both do it. It's just that they're doing it at polar opposite mm-hmm. times, yeah. which is just equally what their communication is. They're not ever ready to have the same conversation at the same time. Yeah. I, I definitely have hope and, and see that they're both willing to do that. But I do want to say, and everyone in fandom is going to hate me, is that um, there's only so many times you can put yourself out there for someone and get rejected yeah. before it becomes you're a clown or you're a fool or that's what you feel like. So when, yeah. it, when it comes in terms of the finale, you know, having spent the whole season of, of feeling like he was getting shut down, mm-hmm. uh, someone who has been abandoned his whole life, with, when we're talking about Michael, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden Alex is ready to, to do a, you know, a 180 and, and really have a conversation. Michael's spent his whole life being abandoned. He's not going to believe that. He's not going to, you know, that's not where his mind is going to go. Yeah. He's, he's going to um, automatically believe that, you know, Alex is going to leave again or it's going to be shut down again. He has no reason to believe that this is any different. And I mm-hmm. think that that's, you know, I think that that's true. I think that that with his trauma and the way that Michael Guerin is and the way that Alex walked away a lot in season one, not that I'm blaming Alex at all. I get it. But I also get where Michael's head was in the finale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, while we're sitting here giving controversial opinions that are going to make the fandom hate us, <laughs> I mean, why would my okay so Alex comes at the end of the season and is like I'm ready I want to be with you you know also why would Alex believe him I mean Michael I'm sorry why would Michael believe him yeah right and well, of course right be like okay now I've been putting myself out there presumably for years mm-hmm. and now and at the very least for the last few months and then now all of a sudden you're ready and you just expect me to be here waiting for you to be ready why would my why would Michael believe him that's not how it works yeah. Right. Well, it's not how it works. It's not someone who's spent their whole life being shoved off on other people or abandoned or abused in, mm-hmm. in some other way. I mean, they're not going to. Yeah. They're not going to believe it in, in that in an instant that especially mm-hmm. at 24 hours after watching his mom die. He's not mm-hmm. going to believe it that it's real this time or it's different in some way. Mm-hmm. He's just not going to believe it. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I kind of hope that that's what Alex realizes in season two yeah. is that it's. That it has to be more than just coming to the airstream in the middle of the night when Michael's covered in blood to tell him this, you know, <laughs> that maybe right then isn't the time, you know, or that there needs to be in the in the light of day and, and a more calm demeanor. Mm-hmm. Which I think it's a good example of, you know, like fandom, there was kind of some backlash in fandom when Michael told Maria, like, look, it's over. It's been over. You didn't do anything wrong. Alex and I are done. We have been for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great example of a moment where I think Michael genuinely believes that he and Alex have been over for a long time. I don't think he's lying to Maria yeah. or misleading her. I think in his mind, he's like, this is done. This has been done for a long time. I've just now come to accept mm-hmm. it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he has every reason to believe that that's true and, and why it continues to be true. And I think you can only go, here's the problem. If you have to, if you view these characters as, you know, they exist like we do, they only know only so much information. Mm -hmm. They have the information that's presented to them and their reality. We get to see the whole show. Obviously we get to see sort of in peaks into everyone's personality. Garen has no idea. Yeah. Where Alex is at any given moment, and I don't think Alex really knows where Garen is at any given moment. They're just on that sort of unsteady mm-hmm. yeah. um, sort of platform together. 
So as far as he knows, why wouldn't he believe that? And I think that that's important to remember that they're not watched, you know, that they only know so much information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah even because like, even by episode 10, you know, uh, which is before Michael says that to Maria, but um, mm-hmm. even by then, when Alex tells him about the conspiracy and about Jesse being the one chasing the aliens and all of that, I don't think that Alex made it clear that what is he has in mind the whole time is Michael's safety. Right. I don't think that's clear to Michael because, like, we know as the audience that presumably, I mean, that's my headcanon for Alex leaving, but presumably Jesse used, you know, what he did to Michael and what he could have done to Michael to have Alex join the military. And then when we get to the conspiracy, we know that, Michael is listed uh, as a threat, you know. Um, So we know that by then, what Alex has done with his dad and with Project Shepard, we know that he's done that in part because he's, you know, of of his moral standards or whatever, like his his ideas. And in part because of Michael. So he's trying to protect, protect him. And I don't think that that has been brought up with Michael or like Michael has any idea of that being the case. Right. Because why would Michael think that that's true? Because no one has really defended him before. And no one has cared about his safety in that way. So why would he, why would he believe that? Why would he think of that on his own and think, well, maybe Alex is doing all of this to protect me? I mean, he wouldn't, his, his mind would never go there. Yeah. I don't think even someone without a traumatic or abusive childhood mind would really go there. But definitely not Garen. He doesn't definitely doesn't think he's worth that. I don't think so. I mean, Alex has to. Here's the here's the thing. Alex and Michael both have to learn to lay all of their cards on the table, Mm -hmm. not just some, Mm -hmm. but they have to spell it out for the other one. Um, Not if, if any reason other than they're going back to the trauma right i mean you just have to lay it all out there and and they just haven't done that yet and i don't think any scene other than michael sort of explaining his childhood um but other than that it's always been guarded or Mm -hmm. um really hesitant or there's they've bitten off words that they should have said um that would help the other understand yeah and also about communication about trauma i think that Aside from what could have been um, an extended scene uh, in the fin- like in the scene in the finale, you know, where Alex was like, after what my dad did to you, mm-hmm. like I don't think I mean in season one they haven't talked about what happened, you know, and I would I would love to see a scene about that, you know, because like that's something that if they want to have a healthy relationship um, and health communication, they have to talk about it. Cause like they have to talk about it and Michael has to deal with it. Michael has yeah. to deal with it in a way. Alex got some closure with Jesse yeah. or got some sort of, you know, those scenes. And I think that it's key for them moving forward. If Michael gets something similar or gets a chance to really work through this in a way that he has absolutely not gotten a chance to. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. 